0: The Guardian.
1: Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, a full and frank discussion with Primal Scream's Bobby Gillespie, Code 9 on all things Hyperdub, plus tracks from Wardell, Mariah Carey and Kid A in Singles Club.
2: All here on Music Weekly from The Guardian.
1: Fully live and in person this week. First time, I believe, on the podcast. We have Kate Bossman.
3: Yes, first time. Hello. How are
1: you doing? All right,
3: very well, yeah.
1: Excellent. Um, What's been going on in the world this week, ladies?
3: Justin Bieber. Oh, all right. (laughs) What should we begin with? Justin Bieber. (laughs) Tackled (laughs) from behind by a male fan. Was it a male fan? It was a male fan.
1: I've only seen the camera phone footage, which is and I don't wish any ill will on Justin Bieber, but hysterical
3: it's pretty good it's, it's really movie good movie.
1: because I mean the, the, the piano falls it's like it's, this chain of events happens and I thought so it slapstick it, yeah. yeah is it yeah. actually
3: a real piano I mean to topple a grand piano is a hell of a lot of yeah. weight there so maybe it was actually a dummy piano a plastic maybe it case maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. as <and laughs> you know. say it's
1: like total slapstick there was like, any minute this massive weight with 100 tonnes written on it, it yeah gonna exactly. it. someone's going to come with some acme dynamite
0: you know <laughs> <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> I
3: have to say that it was really um, he handled it amazingly well because I don't know if you've watched I watched the clip over and over again to see exactly <laughs> what he does. And he flips, he sort of rolls off the piano stool mm-hmm. um, and. Stands up with his headpiece still intact and then just kind of swaggers along the stage wow. with the singing the same line, or you know, miming the same miming line. Same cause line. Cause right. he, um, so in a way, he wasn't actually even he wasn't phased by the fact he'd been wrestled. Maybe it was all a set-up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. he knew oh. it was. I think you can tell a lot about a musician from how they bounce back from on stage embarrassment well, being or, public, <laughs> yeah, yes, or public, yeah, or public embarrassment. It's quite good,
1: yeah. Um, I liked the genuine distress of the people in the audience. The, the thing I was in his camera phone. Justin! Justin! <laughs> Justin! Dead.
3: Oh, my God! Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> Justin! Justin! Amazing. Um.
3: <laughs> but, I mean, he is sort of, you know, reviled as the most unprofessional person in the world right now, but I don't think that's entirely true. From that clip, you think, God, that's amazing. That we are, on, on. on
1: Music Weekly, we're very much in favour. I've said this before, I'll say it mm-hmm. again. I'm going to keep saying it until his management listens to me. If Justin Bieber is having some sort of marijuana-addled breakdown, Let's get him in the studio. Let's get Justin Bieber to make his equivalent of the Madcap laughs. He that's just, that's yeah. what we need to hear. That's you know?
3: all we, he just needs to talk, doesn't he? out, four
1: a.m. Justin Bieber freaking out record. How amazing! <laughs> record of the year. That'd be amazing. Forget Daft Punk. That's that's your album of the year right there. <laughs> um, I went to the Apple Museum.
2: Oh yes, tell us yeah. about it.
1: It was good. It was it was very exciting. I saw Bjorn very briefly. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Nick Bjorn He's sixty-eight. Really Looks about ten years younger. Shiny than Shiny hair. Years. Um, a lot of hair. Yeah. Um, you know, as a man who's losing his own, I am very keen uh, observer of, of, of gentlemen of a certain age's hair. Couldn't work out if there was some sort of combing issue. Yes. Perhaps covering up at the back. Um, uh, and what? So the, the, the opening w- was held, and uh, there was Bjorn was there with uh, this year's uh, Swedish Eurovision hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, very. Uh, pretty woman I've absolutely no idea what her name is or what she does but I mean you know I'm sure it's very and um, he opened the doors and he goes oh you know the Abbey Museum welcome in and then you have never seen a man shift so quickly. You know, like, he was a through stampede. that gift shop and out of the exit. And then like, I was like, 68, If Swedish Olympic team. You need a sprinter." And
3: he was gone. Not, he not was available for nothing. I mean, it was like <laughs> you
1: know, it was, I don't think any of them managed to get through the doors before Bjorn buggered off, To be honest with you, it was just—it was remarkable.
3: Is it true that there's the um, there's a phone line that? Occasionally rings and has a member. Haven't seen on the it.
1: speed with which Bjorn left that opening. I wouldn't <laughs> wait for that phone back. to ring. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was I don't think the members of ABBA are going to be. You know, but but I mean, there's great stuff there. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. I, if you're in Stockholm, you know, as you may be, um, I would wholeheartedly recommend a visit to the. Uh, Is it
3: quite a sort of interactive?
1: Huge, so you put their suits on. You can and dress you... up as ABBA. But I mean, you know, you need to have a certain physique, which allows. Uh, You know, (laughs) no, it was, uh, you know, there was uh, some, uh, yeah, it's a lot of satin, very tight satin, tight around the buttocks. Um, You know, no one wants to see me.
0: Yeah. Out, frankly, so I, I
3: bet they're kicking themselves with the Bowie thing that it's not so interactive. Well, yeah. you know,
1: the, I don't know, you think that, but I mean, what? You know, I mean, come on. it's a kind of exhibition, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? The yeah, Bowie yeah, thing yeah. is all about, well, of course, J.G. Oh, Ballard. here's he Picasso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and here's uh, some footage of Gilbert and George. It's not like, hey, here's a funny Stardust hat, you know. Um, but, you know.
2: But the other one does sound pretty fun. Yeah, it was great. There's an goes.
1: amazing bit as well uh, where there's lots of sort of mock ups. Of Of different the studio and their uh, dressing room and and there's a mock up of this um kitchen and uh, this is what I was a bit sleep deprived missing the kids. Uh, missing my kids. And um, <laughs> uh, it's where he sat, where he wrote the song Slipping Through My Fingers. I don't know if you know that track off the Visitors, the Fine Lab album, which is a song about him looking out and seeing his daughter leaving from school. And she's seven and she sort of waves in a kind of offhand way. And he realises that his kids are growing up, Bjorn, and that yeah. they, they can't, you know, you can't sort of possess your own children forever. It's an incredibly sad song. Yeah. And uh, they sort of mocked up where he was sitting, they'd mocked up the whole his kitchen. His whole kitchen. Is um, it really 70s? It's, it's very Spartan. It's very kind of... Ikea. No, yeah. no, it's, it's, yeah, it yeah. doesn't look like a bling kitchen. Scandinavian chic kind of... Yeah, not even Scandinavian. It just look kind of, you know, um, humble. Hum- a yeah. humble kitchen. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, so the ABBA Museum, if you're in Stockholm, um, if you can find it, because it's quite hard to find. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, Lauren Hill has gone to prison, despite your intercession on her behalf the other mm. week on, on, on the
0: podcast.
2: I know. Well, we were just saying, I feel like she has been kind of... On the slippery slope for a few years since she started turning up late to gigs and wearing crazy blue eyeshadow smeared down her face, <laughs> um, and now it turns out that she has evaded over half a million dollars in tax and is going away for three months. Oh, no,
4: no. But
3: you it's just quite think sad. all the other ones
2: that have done exactly the same and aren't going away for three. Yes, months. but Maybe she did they release have a track a the other day as as kind of something to remember her by while she's gone for three months. Oh no, she, which was quite good.
1: Well, what was it? Was it good? Oh, I
2: can't remember what it's called yet, but yeah,
3: she's was was on the comeback
1: good. trailer, Lauren. It wasn't she? Yeah, she's got a new album coming out later well perhaps not now, but,
3: um, new hair new song yeah, but maybe new she'll time. do ama- some amazing Gil Scott Heron thing and make something in prison in prison <laughs> like Slick Ricks uh, yeah. behind bars yeah that'd mm. be great, well, that'd wouldn't, be
1: great. That, wouldn't that be cool we, they were fantastic ideas I mean one after another <laughs> just spinning out from this podcast A&R departments get in touch with us this is where the action is we can, we can we've got ideas for your artists um, let us move on Primal Scream's new album, More Light, is out next week, previewed by our very own Tim Jones as, and I quote, a psychedelic trip with krautrock gospel, bursts of free jazz, propulsive horns, a sense of revolutionary rage, and yes, the odd cringe-inducing lyric, you never. When Primal Scream came to record a session at The Guardian recently, Tim grabbed Bobby Gillespie to ask what he makes of playing Glastonbury, and how he really feels about hippies.
0: So what were your kind of first memories of Glossamy Festival, maybe before you even got to play? Did you, was it on your kind of
5: radar? I've got to admit, it wasn't. Because I, I I grew up going to uh, gigs in the city when I was like a teenager. The festival thing wasn't as big in like, the 70s, late 70s, when I first started going to gigs. I think there was like Reading Festivals, but that was like kind of metal bands yes, or, metal. or hard rock, you yeah. know, and um, punk bands. The bands that I like never played festivals. So really... It, it just never. I remember the Jam played at Loch Lomond, and I thought, why are they, why aren't they playing? In, you know, in Glasgow, I thought that was a bit strange. Okay. And I thought about all those kind of new mods getting their suits dirty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, it made me laugh. But anyway, no, no. I must admit, it wasn't really in my my radar. I do don't you, know. What do you think about the kind of the crowd? Because uh, you know,
0: Primal Scream have got a you know, a bit of a reputation, obviously with Kill All Hippies and kind of, right. for, for kind of not being into the kind of, the more kind of peace and love aspect of...
5: But the thing is okay, I mean I've got to be honest here right, on the song Kill All Hippies right, the only the lyric is, you've got the money, I've got the soul and I wanted to call the song that you've got the money in brackets, I've got the soul but um, we used a, a sample from a film called Out of the Blue, which was directed by Dennis Hopper and there was an actor called Linda Manns who, played this character CB who's been abused by her father who's Dennis Hopper anyway she's into punk and she's into Elvis she hates disco and um, there's a little you know she goes on the CB radio dad's CB radio and she's she's saying kill all hippies you know anarchy disco sucks and all this kind of stuff so we sampled that up and put it at the start of the song and um, Andrew Thought Killo Hippies was a better title, so we used that mm-hmm. as the title, but the song's not about killing hippies. Right. The first the, the, Basically, the hippies were part of a tradition of anti-conformist americans you know and uh so really they were actually pretty cool yeah you know i think you know i think you you see it when it gets commercialized it's at like uh, woodstock and all that stuff it's just been it's been soaked up by the mainstream and it's just like it's not so cool but i think there was some real radical thinkers and artists and filmmakers and poets and musicians that come out of the you know i i mean it's a an, an American tradition, I think. You know, and they were kind of tolerant, humanistic, you kind know, of good people, I think. And um, but punk rock f- was quite against them, wasn't it? Like, I suppose. That's well, where I mean, I... the punk rock was actually a continuation of it. Yeah. I think when I look at it, because I think the hippies are and the punks shared the same thing, which was a kind of utopian, idealistic romanticism. Yeah, totally. But that's not actually really the, you know um, the uh,
0: narrative that's often given is is nah, that one a game against the I, other, whereas I, actually they're both kind of. I
5: think you know people. I really think, you know, if you look at like Rotten and, you know, definitely Joe Strummer, Joe, they, he was 15, 16 in 1966, he was definitely a kid, mm-hmm. a 60s kid, you know, and his radicalism was informed by this, the 60s I think, you know, and I think Rotten was, I mean, he's a different kettle of fish but he, um, you know, his, his favourite music was, um, he was into a lot of like a 60s bands like you Can. Can are a 60s band, you mm-hmm. know, really, and stuff, so I mean, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, it's a more free thinking and authoritarian um, tradition. And I think Rotten was in that. I think he was part of that, you know? I think Malcolm cleverly set up as a generational opposition, you know, old farts, young punks. And I think really the, the bands of hippies that the, punk, the punks were railing against were like, well, they kind of, uh, the bands that came out of the sixties, which hadn't delivered on their promise.
0: Yeah, basically going against what they originally stood for in many ways. Or
5: they'd lost the spirit. Of, yeah, you know more. I mean, it's hard to say that rock and rollers have got any morals or ethics, but there's definitely a, a spirit between the Gene Vincent, you know, the Beatles and the Stones and the Sex Pistols and the Stooges, and you know, there's yeah, there's a there's a there's a there's a spirit there in the MC5 that that's uh, that you recognise that Or oh, there's kind of all the great rock and roll bands have got that spirit. So. But some people lose it, don't they? So that's the thing. But I mean but Malcolm was clever and, we, and you know, we, we love Malcolm and we, we, we think Malcolm is incredible. So I think he was right to do the generational thing. It was good I mean it's, it it works, didn't it?
0: I was, I was just wondering what the, you thought the, the kind of the secret to a good festival set. Is it important to leave the? Audience? Are there any hippies at Glass? To me, it looks pretty mainstream. It's very mainstream, but there's that kind of vague hippie vibe. Do you know what I mean? It's more like a. It's a very. It's not. It's not an anti-authority.
5: You know. It's not. An but anti- nothing's anti-authoritarian <laughs> authoritarian anymore. in Britain it's kind of. It's very conformist. The whole thing, you know. So. What's the question? You, yes, it was about if there's a secret to
0: putting on a good festival set. Oh, if you need to kind of leave them with something oh, right. oh right. festival
5: set yeah oh I, I I think well that's the other thing it's like I think I would imagine that in the 60s or the 70s there, oh I just imagine this I might be wrong but I, I always felt like at festivals people could stretch out and do experimental stuff and the audience might be more tolerant of that and, right, okay. and just be like you know you could play sort of dreamy soft stuff as well as Rather and it didn't have to hits. be hits yeah you know Okay. You know, and then I thought, you know, maybe you see film of Miles Davis. At, um, I've never seen this, but I'm just imagining it. Miles Davis playing at the Isle of Wight. And, you know, it was when he had the electric bands, but just when he began doing the electric stuff, and that's the kind of stuff you would love to see at a festival. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily everybody playing the hits. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, but I don't know if people are really that tall on that stuff anymore. But I think a festival set, we've done them where we've played, played at Tea in the Park, um, 10 years ago, we kind of more or less played songs from most of Evil Heat, which hadn't been released yet. You know, yeah. been, it was being released in three weeks or something, or two weeks after the, the gig. Uh, Exterminator, Bits of Vanishing Point, and maybe, I don't even know if we even played, but maybe, maybe I might have played Rocks and maybe, moving on up, maybe from uh, one song from mm-hmm. and um, But most of it was from the last two albums, three albums. and um, and then Oasis were headlining, so my managers were really upset because they felt that we'd blown a great opportunity to convert a lot of people to Primal Scream but I just thought we did a great set I thought if I had been a a kid in the audience, I would have liked Primal Scream I would have loved my band for doing that
0: What, were you, what you are know, your memories of the 2005 Glastonbury set? It was basically stories that you'd given a Nazi salute and that you'd been abusive towards the crowd and stuff.
5: I, I think I was abusive towards the crowd and if I did do any kind of salute, it would have been like in a sarcastic way because yeah, I'm mm-hmm. definitely, I'm not right wing. Yeah. I don't like fascism. I'm on the left, I think you know. It, I think, and, you know I think and the thing is, it would have been, you know, I could quote Sandy Perelman who was the, producer of the Blue Easter Cult who said that you know that he he understood the fascistic possibilities of a rock concert, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I thought, yeah, I know exactly what he means. But do, at the end you of know, you the, basically open. right, the thing is, right, I don't really remember much about it but I have seen uh, a couple of years ago I saw some clips of the gig on YouTube and I thought it was a great evil rock and roll set. Mm-hmm. I think the band played well and I performed well. I mean I don't know what I said between the songs. I I never seen in between stuff, but um, but I think it's I think it's all right to have to have a big confrontational performer. I mean, even if people think you're a complete asshole and they hate you for, it, at least you're waking everybody up because on before us is Brian Wilson, who let's face it is dead, <laughs> right? I mean, he's just sitting there behind the keyboard, right? <laughs> and I love him and I love the Beach Boys, but yeah. you know it's it's really it's it's not a performance. It's mm-hmm. really right, and then. It was us, and then it was basement Jack, so at least everybody still talks about our gig. Totally. nobody talks about anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were pretty wasted and um but at least it was controversial. at least people were talking about it. At least people had to form an opinion where they thought it was great or they thought it was fucking rubbish. But the main thing is it just happened'. we never planned it, yeah and um to get back to when we played two thousand and three, we played a fucking amazing set. Mm-hmm. it was you know that was live on b b c as well and um, I believe that REM were on the other stage and there was um, Colin Murray and it um, was the girl Edith Bowman and Edith Bowman and they kept saying let's go back to Primal Scream so that you know people were watching more yeah. Primal Scream than REM because our set was so good and um, well I don't know if it was but it felt good right? Yeah, it was really but good. it was a good, good set right? but we get no publicity for that Nobody. Totally. there was no fucking reviews in the paper saying that Primal Scream were great we get nothing zero self <laughs> two years later you know, it's an outrage. So really, what does that tell you about yeah. <laughs> people? So what can we expect this year? Um, good question. We haven't thought about it yet. Okay. I think, I mean, we did two years ago, Scamadelic, and the fans, the audience, I mean, the fans, the audience were brilliant. It was raining, and everybody stood there, and we've always had a lot of love at Glastonbury, you know? I think, I mean, the, the gig that everybody talks about, I don't, I don't think I was... I think I was just in a... I was in a, a really strange state of mind. And so was the rest of the band, so... But, you know, there was a lot of things happened that day that built up to that, you know. They kept cutting songs out of her set, you know. Right. We're going to play 55 minutes, and it was 50 minutes, then 45 minutes just before we went on. So we less left, I left, lose three or four songs. It was just like... I was a bit pissed off when I hit the stage. And, but anyway, do you know what? It's so what? Shit happens. It's wrong, bro.
1: Bobby Gillespie from Primal Screen there, talking to Tim Jones. Time to dissect three new tracks in Singles Club. Guests first, it's Kate's Choice. Wardell, Wardell? Wardell, Wardell I imagine. I think it's the uh, the
3: the middle name of the of the guitarist and the male half. Um,
1: Okay. This tracks will call it what you want. Um, Kate, that's your choice. Um, Tell us a little bit about Wardell. Yeah,
3: well, they are the children of Steven Spielberg. So this track went up today. Um, Okay. They are Steven Spielberg's daughter, Sasha Spielberg, Mm -hmm. and the adoptive daughter of uh, son of um, Kate Capshaw before. She got married to Spielberg called okay. Theo. Right. And they'd been writing for, you know, a few years, tooling around in, in
1: Hollywood. As one does. When yeah, one's yeah as, as, as you do, ter- turning
3: up in the bit parts and films. I right. think that Sasha was in um, that's the classic, the the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Right, okay, okay. <laughs> and I just thought it was like, I just thought it was a really, really nice, um polished, very um movie-esque Hollywood. LA 60s kind of record it reminds me a lot of she and him and Yeah, um, it does sound like she and him. Yeah, you know, and right, Jenny Lewis right. I agree. and Yes.
1: There's a certain sound, isn't there? That that's kind of um speaks of a certain Sort of lush life, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like a Hollywood gilded youth kind of thing going yes, on there.
3: Yeah, yeah, slightly like Lana Del Rey, but without any of the darkness to yeah. it at all. Yeah, and
1: that's what I quite like it about it, because <laughs> yeah. all these people make records about sort of Hollywood's gilded youth, and oh, it's just terrible, and the cocaine. It wasn't and it thing. awful? And, and, and it when like they make it? records themselves, it's all like, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant, I'm minted.
3: And I think you can hear that sheen to it as well, yes. which which suggests someone with a, a, a big budget, which has nothing to be ashamed of, no. a big budget, lots of connections, let's put a really good record together. They probably did it with, you know, very old members of the Wrecking Crew. Or yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> produced by T Bone Burnett. Yeah, or exactly. Like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I really liked it. It's yeah. a great little song. I mean, it's a really good song. Um, and um, where, where did you find? Is this on SoundCloud? It's just it went up
3: on SoundCloud today, and they've got an EP out um, on June the third. So they're signed to—is it Grand National? Who the, do churches and? All oh, those? okay. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, mean, yeah. a National Anthem. Sorry. Um, yeah, so they've got... They used to be go going, under going the name of Brother Sister and then they changed it to Wardell because they obviously thought that sounded slightly more um, prepossessing Absolutely. <laughs> for some um, They
1: should have called themselves the Spielbergs. I mean, yeah. fairly obviously, <laughs> no, that's no, the name like, this band should be
3: called. It's really funny watching the early press with any band like this because the very first one, they, they mm. won't mention who they are. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, it's only going to be a matter of two or three press releases before it all comes out and that's what... Yeah,
1: it must be horrible, though. I yeah. mean, it must be... I always feel sorry, you know, and, and the people always seem to have it in for you know the progeny of enormously famous people Mm. but trying to make your way where people just really want to know about your dad. Yeah. I mean, how much you like this song. <laughs>
3: it must be about accepting that, and people like Harper Simon have done really mm. well with that because he's got no issues about talking about Paul Simon, yeah. how great he was, and how he grew up worshiping those uh, those records the same mm. way everyone else did and stuff. So I think it's it sort of probably puts an awful lot of pressure on you, but it depends what kind of person you are whether you can accept it or whether you're going to try and rebel against it. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, like Jacob Dylan. Like, yeah, you're not allowed, allowed to ask Jacob Dylan. I mean,
3: now. no one's going to interview him then, are they? No, not anymore. <laughs>
1: Because <laughs> apparently he was huge and famous though when yeah. massive in the states in the 90s maybe
3: he did did people see him as a kind of um anti-hero because he wouldn't talk about maybe his dad. <laughs> I don't
1: know I don't know I don't know um let's move moving back to Waddell. um waddle no not waddle definitely not waddle <laughs> waddle waddle I think it's waddle 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 would <laughs> be heard the best it here, yeah, yeah. waddle um did yes, you like it
2: i quite liked it i was i was just thinking that there's something quite thrilling as a listener Um, when you hear something like this that um, has kind of famous roots and it is quite good because I think a lot of the time audiences are almost rooting for it to be quite bad uh, and to be quite cynical and uh, uh, in that same kind of vein of Tommy Hilfiger and Tom Hanks's rapping sons um, <laughs> and you know there's kind of lots of laughter and there's lots of um, funny things written about that but it almost kind of takes away from the actual music of course because the story is so hilarious but this was really good and there's something quite sunny and romantic and beach housey about it mm. uh, which I quite liked and it really felt like it was setting a scene and I think when you listen to it, it was a tiny little insight into what that world must be like. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's brilliant. (laughs) Far away from South London. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) quite quite, quite.
1: quiet, So, well, we all seem to like it. Uh, Wardell? Wardle! Waddle, call it what you want. That's uh, out on SoundCloud uh, as we speak with an EP to follow. Let's move on to Kieran's Choice. That is Miguel and Mariah, Mariah being Mariah Carey. And beautiful. Uh, Kieran, your choice. Tell us all about it.
2: Um, Yes, that is a bit of a departure for Mariah Carey, I think. It's uh, slightly different to her very pop, kind of almost saccharine school of pop R&B, where it's just kind of dominated by her vocal runs and her short skirts and (laughs) Mm. (laughs) kind of this this kind of same old thing and those same producers. And then there's like the... Jermaine Dupri era where I felt like everything really sounded the same and this was quite different and it's quite interesting that she is working with someone like Miguel who is the kind of alt R&B man of the moment I would say um he was really famed from his, for with his kaleidoscopic dream album last year which was a fantastic album uh and i think that yeah i think that this is this is good it's like an interesting move for her i think that their voices sound really beautiful on it Um there's a few problematic things in that i don't think it's completely uh like groundbreaking or doing something completely new as a track but i do think it works with their voices quite nicely And it is a bit strange that it's actually called hashtag beautiful. It's called (laughs) yeah. There's a hashtag before the word beautiful, which is quite weird. Yeah, but she is weird, isn't she? I mean, I always forget. I mean, she does have a a Tumblr called Dem Babies, which is just really strange uh, shots of her and her children and Nick Cannon just dressing up in the same outfit.
3: Oh, and their Christmas cards, the funny Christmas Christmas cards, yeah, all of that. And she's
2: quite strange on American Idol. I mean, she's quite a character, but on this, it does feel like it's pared back a little bit. And Miguel is. kind of working with that and adding a bit of jazzy production and a bit of normality maybe to her I don't know, but they, they work well together and it's an unlikely pairing. Mm.
3: Kate,
1: do you enjoy this? Oh, I really
3: liked it because I would never have known it was Mariah Carey. No, I wouldn't mm. either. It's so subdued. It's like when, you know when she was in Precious and you didn't oh, recognise her in Precious? She was yes. really good. She just played this kind mm. of, you know, no makeup, sort of hard-bitten woman in her the social services or something. Yeah. But she has, like, she has the glitter, like, Mariah, and then she has yeah, the precious yeah. Mariah, and it seems like there's these it's two kind common. of characters that yeah, are each other. the way she other. kind of sort of tessellates around his voice she's not doing any of her I, she's hey, sorry just, just
1: to just interrupt you is this a guest appearance by mariah carey on a record by miguel or is this uh, miguel making a guest appearance on a record by mariah carey I or is it a super group
2: i think it is a supergroup. Yeah. it's
1: actually bar- it's gonna be a whole album. <laughs> <home group? laughs>
2: no i don't think so i oh. think i think that this is uh, mariah's
3: song with miguel on it oh so so I it think. came from her songwriting team or her that
2: yeah they received. yes and yeah. then he was like brought on board to produce it
3: yeah, I think it really works, because it's just, um, she's one of the people whose voice I can't actually listen to when it's in the uh. usual, I mean, it literally makes me feel my heart rate increases, <laughs> like when a baby's screaming <laughs> in the room, <laughs> and then, um, so this is just, yeah, this is sort of subtle, and, and it's just one of those nice kind of solid 60s kind of tunes, a bit like, um, uh, you know, like S- Cee C- Forget You, mm. the way yeah. that worked, it, it people love that kind of stuff, it could have been written any time in the last 50 years, and it sounds good, and it's
2: solid and stuff, so, so yeah, I was impressed by it. Her transformation. <laughs> oh, I <laughs>
1: because agree. It, sorry, Karen, no, because it, no, is, no, no. it
2: does feel like a proper transformation. I think like pre- prior to this, it's been like there's a new Mariah Carey track, and it's like, oh, well, it's going to sound exactly the same, and oh, I not really worthy of any kind of column inches at all. But this really is something different, and it does sound exciting. Mm.
1: Um, I agree with everything that both of you are saying. I mm-hmm. do like it. I will say that you point against it. Mm-hmm cannot bear people laughing on their own records. Um, it, it just uh, a tick I have. Uh, <laughs> From always, Joni Mitchell not, No, no, no. Well, yeah, that's one. Um, the worst one, obviously, is the end of Obladee Oblada by the Beatles. And if you want some more ha 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 sing Obladee, uh, just, oh, just sort of, terrible. And also if you know the story of how Obladee Oblada was recorded and they all hated each other and McCartney was convinced it was a single and made them record it over and over and over oh, and over God. and over again. and It's, it's Drained, so it's kind really of like, laughing policemen <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah very laughing policemen A um, little bit of laughter on this okay. I would have you know Had they asked my opinion on it Which for some reason they didn't um, I would have said Cut the laughter out That's fair, And you've I'll got lie. yourself a hit Mariah <laughs> um, But no I agree I, I, I can't bear Mariah Carey's records um, okay. oh, I can't stand it I like Dream Lover Mm-hmm. David Morales mix of Dream Lover, mm-hmm. big big club tune, brilliant. Um, but um, you know, I, actually, to be honest, I couldn't name that many Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. Oh, All I Want for Who doesn't like All I Want for Christmas is You? That's brilliant.
3: Yeah, because she keeps it. low enough. Does yeah. she doesn't do it's, that?
1: I'm not a fan of the big, no, yeah. you know, uh, melodramatic uh, uh, vocal. Ah, no, I, I like her Do you like lot. that
3: stuff? Yeah, oh, awesome. See, you either like it or you don't. And if it's Hits the right chord. How do you feel about laughter
1: She's on good. records? Are you, are you bothered by that at all?
2: Perfectly fine with that. I'm,
3: I'm, so more offended laughter by... and melismas,
1: basically.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that, but I think it's, uh, I think it's more irritating when the videos are like uproarious laughter and like running through. Yeah,
1: the there levels. is going I mean, to be,
4: you know, you know what the videos is
1: just going to be like, isn't it? It's them going to be singing in a studio to each other, and yeah. it's going to be sort of a little bit nuzzly and a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> but it's one of those really weird songs as well because if you, if you listen to the un, um, am I right in thinking the unedited version is you're so effing beautiful. You're so effing beautiful. So that's, that, that's that's the line in the chorus, and you can't hear it on this version. Um,
2: Miguel does swear quite a lot, though. It's there really quite it's surprised yeah.
3: should, <laughs> with should, this should, album? Every,
1: every, it's band, quite... every band, every band. Here's an idea. Again, listen to me. and our department, should have an. You see, Wardle's record be called. Call it what you fucking want. You you know, I just think that would be great. You know, something for uh, street level.
3: The more inappropriate that, the, yeah, the world yeah, absolutely, the <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah no, totally, totally. Um, but yes, well, I mean, is this single? Is it coming out as a single? Is this? Yeah, I think it's
2: coming out as a single. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think that that's quite a good point as well, though, really, because I think that Chris Brown was, you know, that kind of old, that school of R and B, which seems really obsolete now, in my opinion. It's become really quickly, obviously, what, as well. What, what school of R Well, just at Chris Brown's height, or when, yeah, but what, he, when what, he was what doing, he, what, did, um, but what does he? Excuse uh, me, miss all of that kind of stuff. Like he was really, mar- he, he was really marketed as like a bad boy, but was quite clean cut. And he didn't mm. actually swear a lot on the tracks. You know, his personal life was quite divorced at that time, mm. and he was, you know, he he was quite a clean. He really end balls up the clean big. cut thing, yeah, didn't yeah, exactly. but, but <laughs> he? But now there's kind of, you know, the Hines, um, you know, this kind of Chris Brown no 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 I mean like this school of R&B which sounds a lot more different it's Mm -hmm. a lot more kind of provocative in that way you know kind of very overtly sexual and will swear quite a lot but it still you know feels a lot more does she
3: need a? I mean because I was thinking about I haven't really thought about her for years since the the precious thing and I wasn't sure if she'd done anything. Mm. Does she need to come back or has she not really gone away? She's just one of those people that you're never quite sure where... I,
2: I feel like she's, like she's been around but yeah. not in a musical capacity because she's been an American been Idol.
1: they are on American Idol. Mm. You know, if you think... How sort of omnipresent somebody mm. feels when they're on the judging, you know, Danny Minogue or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's true. It's actually quite difficult to get someone like CeeLo, you know, because mm. he was on The Voice in America, it's a much bigger hit over the, in America than it was over here. And suddenly, you know, CeeLo is like this. I mean, obviously, he's a big star and everything, but in America, it's, like, massive. Yeah. He's on the telly every week. And she's on... Mm. Is it American Idol yeah. or is it X Factor over there?
2: American Idol. Um, and she'll obviously be doing a live performance and oh God, all yeah. that, which is... It's quite strange to think, isn't it? Yeah, like, Miguel, just... like, for an, an American Idol audience. I wouldn't necessarily put those two together, but I
1: guess... It's, it, but I'm, what I'm saying know. is I guess she's a lot more omnipresent in the States yeah. as a result of... And she doesn't
3: need to do anything at the moment. Uh, no, so no, she's no, probably I thinking ahead, just like when I get kicked off that show. After yeah, 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 yeah. when, when yeah. Cowell
1: tires of me. Um, <laughs> just put on a bra. Put on a bra? Does she not wear a bra? <laughs> no, never. Really?
2: <laughs> yeah. Every week the same, man.
1: I, I, I'm not going to take part in did this show. Did she woman not wear a bra is... on
3: stage as well? Or is this just that yeah, yeah. she's been doing TV? How weird. She doesn't dance, way.
2: she? She doesn't feminist, dance. She just kind of sways, is not she? So it's fine. That's unusual. (laughs) Moving on.
3: (laughs) It's revolutionary. Well, yeah. Did she burn it
1: somewhere? Um, Well, that's Miguel and Mariah, uh, which is coming out a single and presumably is obviously findable if it's on YouTube, is it? Or one of them? Yeah. Yeah. One of them. Um, Right. uh, Let's move on finally. This is My Choice. that's my choice uh, that's Kid A that's the name of the artist Kid A uh, and a track called BB Blur it's coming out on Ninja Tune um, next month um, but it's actually been knocking around online in demo form for about a year uh, and I don't know anything about Kid A at all this single was plucked almost at random not at random I just had a big pile of CD singles to listen to over the weekend and uh, most of them weren't very good and this was suddenly stood out I was uh, I, I was driving to home base <laughs> 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 it's part of the uh, caviar and cocaine lifestyle of a top rock critic um, to get some garden trellising, and um, uh, this was on. And I was like, "This is a really good record. I think it's got a really interesting. It's sort of. I mean, it's a bit like uh, Palit- Palit- a or yeah. whatever. You know, it's got that sort of vibe to it. I thought. Um, but there's definitely something there. I just thought it was a good song. It was kind of a floaty, weird production. Actually, the CD single I've got, which I assume is some sort of. Uh, you know, some sort of equivalent version is going to be released next month. Uh, the demo version I thought was the best version of this track. It has a slight sort of rough edge to it that I really like. Was that
3: produced by her as well? Or I think she so, yeah. yeah. I think
1: it's. it sounds like a sort of bedroom, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A, uh, somebody with. Uh, a laptop in a bedroom It's also
2: released it. with a few remixes as well which are also pretty good The remixes are pretty They're good really There's a kind of bit of a thumpy house one which is yeah. really good um, The Daedalus, 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 know, Daedalus yeah, Daedalus That, Absolutely, Daedalus, that one yeah. is great yeah. I know it's, I, it's,
1: it's a great package I thought mm. the the whole thing was really good um, uh, You clearly like it Kira. I,
2: I loved it I thought it was great I thought it was great how it married um, being incredibly rich and incredibly sparse at the same time um, which is very good but overwhelmingly it's just very sad isn't it I mean mm. it's one of those kind of um Love songs that are, is very sad rather than being very angry, even mm. though what she's singing about kind of seems like she should be angrier. Mm. Um, but um, it's, yeah, it feels very, quite emotionally potent. Like, that kind of heartbreak, where you feel like you've given everything yeah, away, and it's really blue, isn't it, in the yeah. proper oh, sense of oh, <laughs> It is. It is. Yeah. It's very sad. I was very upset by it, Kate. Take it
1: very <laughs> very <well. laughs> Kate, did you like it? Yeah,
3: I just love the. With people like this, it reminds me not not music, not musically necessarily, but um, when Tori Moy first came out, yes. mm. And I think he's from Virginia as well, right. or somewhere around there. And this sense of these, um, this essentially small town. Um, bedroom producers who are who remain really mysterious because mm. you can't find anything out about them, and you wonder whether that's part of what they're trying to do. Yes. Is she trying to be mysterious? Um, we, you know, we, we don't even know what sort of background.
1: She's no, I'm not at all. So, I mean, I looked online. You know, we were saying this while to our tracks playing, but um, I looked online to try and find out more information about it, and could find nothing. Nothing at all. I could just no. find loads of places posted this track. Um, it's almost
3: like you're mean. searching under the wrong name. Yeah, yeah. Like whether
2: that. Enhances your ability to be quite emotionally out there because you're not in a studio and you don't have an audience, and mm. you can be quite stripped when you're on your own in, in the bedroom or, yeah. you know, and people don't really know you. Probably personally.
3: the way the Massive Attack sounded before mm. the days of the internet, like when yeah. you first heard that thing, you'd be thinking, sort of, who is that voice? Absolutely. and Where is this coming from? And That's no, a very good point. That's a very yeah. good point.
1: No, I would I, I, be intrigued to hear more stuff by it. The single just has five versions, as you say, of this track on there. Um but um no, I, I thought it was good. I'm, I'm glad everybody else liked it as well. That's Excellent. Great. Excellent. Well that my friends is singles club. <laughs> um so Kieran, you went to visit code nine.
2: Yes, he well he came to the studio and he talked about um Hyperdub and House and his new C D, Rince Presents, which I think is out in a few weeks' time.
1: His real name is Steve Goodman. Yes. Excellent. Um well, um let's let's hear you talking to him.
2: Okay.
4: This is Code 9 from Hype Up.
2: Gearing up for your new compilation on Rince, right? Is what's it called? Code9 Presents?
4: Yeah, I think it's just Code Nine Presents. We have a launch party on the 24th at Autumn Studios up up in East London. Um, mostly a hyperdub lineup. Myself, Inga Copeland from Hype Williams, and Iconica and Coolie G's Scratcher DVA, Terror Danger Champion.
2: Uh, that's great. We were actually discussing Coolie G's album last year and I think it was one of our favourites. Yeah, no, no. Made our um, top albums list. And well, what's your process generally when you're finding people to sign to the label or I mean is it you, people that you already know or
4: Yeah, it's mostly people that come through friends of friends. It's so rare that somebody cold calls us and we're like, oh wow. So it's a you know E and Ring has changed quite a lot in the last few years I think for everyone.
2: But I think it's still quite important for labels to have quite distinctive sounds in the way that butters do grime and, you know, night slugs have, you know, their breed of, kind of house-influenced yeah. bass music and what Hessler are doing. So what would you kind of, what do you think identifies Hyperdub?
4: Well, I think we're, I mean, compared, for example, with all the labels you just mentioned, we're a much broader remit. You know, there's stuff on the label that is similar to some of these labels, but then there's, you know, we do a lot of down-tempo stuff and a lot of dance floor stuff. And I think that's probably what's quite unique about the label, that bringing these two more, more experiment until end such as Type Williams or Laurel Halo, uh, Burial
5: mm-hmm.
4: on the one hand and on the other quite banging grime or in a previous life dubstep mm-hmm. or house related stuff or footwork stuff mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So really, I think what's what's characteristic of hype it up is that broad spectrum.
2: I think for that reason, it sounds quite London centric, and it feels like it really reflects the sit- like club culture, but more like urban club culture. It feels like the city, and it sounds like the city, and as a result, that the club nights do as well.
4: Well, I think I think even the experimental stuff we do has got a, a more urban flavour. It's not um, particularly academic. I mean, with the, the nights that we do, we do every. Twice a year we do a, a night of fabric. We do, do kind of lots of random stuff in between those two nights. And I think people are quite surprised because actually the, the nights are pretty full-on energy-wise. Energy and people who maybe are only aware of the weirdest stuff like Burial are often quite surprised that the How nights that? are full, so full-on because the, the label's packed of amazing DJs. Oh.
2: a hyperdog Deviation collaboration night and I think that that worked really well because actually uh, a lot of the people who are under Deviation and Benji B and Co uh, it didn't feel like it was us and them really it felt like they all worked in harmony together you know, why do you think that is? Why do you think it works so well?
4: Um, I think the, the the audience for Deviation is a pretty open-minded audience you know, it covers everything from R&B and hip-hop through to techno and that's that's great for us because it's quite similar remit, quite a similar broad Benji's taste and my taste are pretty wide ranging. So that's why that night worked really well. So it was a small room with us battering the sound system, and then it was a bigger room with kind of more classy, <laughs> more classy house and techno.
2: <laughs> uh, but also, one thing that I really like is that there doesn't seem to be a slavish pursuit to house music or the house tempo, which is dominating club culture at the moment and has done for the past few years, really.
4: I mean, I love house and I'm very aware that there's a big house resurgence going on just now, even right through into the charts. I think, you know, there's a lot of fetishization of old Chicago house from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And actually, since the 90s, right up to the present day, there's been new forms of house coming out of Chicago, Duke and Footwork, mm-hmm. which are like 21st century forms of house that to me are much more relevant than just trying to imitate a classy house track from 1988 i mean i probably love 80s house more than any other (laughs) period which and probably a lot of people do which Mm -hmm. is why a lot of people obsess and over it and fetishize it but ultimately that you know it's 30 years old now and that for me there's much more exciting mutations of house music come along much more recently and so I suppose we're just, uh, you know, by releasing stuff from Rashad, which is uh, as influenced by Jungle in a way, that specific release we did as it is the, the house history of Chicago. Just following that, really, that's all we're doing, just following what I think is exciting Music.
2: Do you, do you think that falls into the the, <laughs> the ideology that always gets attached to dance music, which is of the bass continuum, which is the... Basically... Well, why don't you, do, why don't you explain it? You probably do no, a, better, on. a better job than me. Well, I would say that it's more saying that uh, bass music moves and mutates in waves, so what was Jungle then mutates into Garage, which then moves it into dubstep, and then, you know, a two-step Garage resurgence, and then grime, and so on, yep. and so on, um, in a kind of continuum type wave rather than yeah. a cycle.
4: I mean I think because UK and London music just now is very house centric then it's almost like that hardcore continuum has gone back to its beginning it's, just, it's, it's not evolving in the same way that it was for the last 20 years so that's why we've you know that's why we do a re- uh, release like DJ Rashad's, which isn't from UK at all. has got some UK influence on one of the tracks, but it I suppose it tells me something about the state of UK dance music that I'm looking to America mm-hmm. for fresher releases. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest, I think their dance music scene is in a better... St- I don't like all of it, but I, I think it's in a more healthy, vibrant state than British dance music is just now. I just think they're they're experiencing it, their dance music explosion for the first time. I mean, a lot of it's crap, but a lot of the stuff that's coming, a lot of the hip-hop-influenced stuff, whether it be the kind of what people are calling trap or, or footwork, which is also hip-hop-influenced style of house music in a way, I don't know, it just sounds much fresher to me than a lot of the house that's coming out of this country.
2: Mm. One of the interesting things about that is that the mainstream dance music in America does seem to be quite sunny and quite bubblegum popish. Whereas if I could attach a colour to Hyperdub, it would be a deep grey or a black, you know, there Mm. is, I mean, I think that there's like a grittiness. There's a real sense of kind of, I guess, darkness to a lot of the music that you put out.
4: I mean, it's been through its colourful phases. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but certainly, there's a, there's a darkness to some of it, and there's a rawness to some of it. Um, that means I'm unlikely to to release too many sunny Ibiza house tracks. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to I'm hear glad it. Glad you agree. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so, yeah. is that was that your kind of thinking with um, with the rinse compilation? Is that basically what you're trying to do there? Is
4: well, the thinking was to to start with a burial track and then go from there. Really, <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a place to start from.
4: And you know, because it's not, I don't, like I said earlier, it depends on the context whether I'd play that in a normal DJ set. Usually I wouldn't, but I also t- treated it like a challenge of how to get from 120 BPM to 160. Um,
2: I'm back again. The most
4: scenic route. <laughs> so this stuff, I a lot of stuff that we've released, it's all stuff that I would play in a DJ set, not necessarily the one DJ set, not squeezing all that stuff into an hour. But on a CD, there's nothing stopping you. So
2: perfect. And so, um, when is the CD out? 20th of May. 20th of May. I
4: think. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to big up Rat from Rince because he's been texting me all morning, telling, <laughs> telling me to to give him a shout.
3: <laughs> okay, done.
1: That was Kieran talking to Steve Goodman, otherwise known as Code 9. His new club mix for Rince is out on May the 20th. That is it for this week. Kate, thank you for joining us. Lovely to, Lovely to have you. Lovely to have you. No, um, no, come back. It'd be great. That'd be, that'd be smashing. Um, Kieran, uh, you'll be here next week. I shall. You Excellent. Um, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash musicweekly for more info on the show. And, of course, uh, for links to the singles club tracks. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. bye bye For more great downloads,
3: go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.